You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly interviews on topics to help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Do you consider yourself to be a disciplined person regarding your work schedule? Are you the first person up in the morning to begin your work day, or are you the last one to roll out of bed? Have you determined the ideal times of day to perform certain tasks and parts of your job? Today, I am joined by Daniel Pink, and throughout this episode, Daniel will provide the answer to these questions and many more, all around designing your ideal day so that you can maximize your motivation, productivity, and effectiveness. Daniel is the best-selling author of many books, including two that we'll be talking about today, which are titled Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us, and When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. This is truly an insightful conversation. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 150. And now let's not wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Daniel Pink. Dan, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. It's an honor to have you here with us today. Uh, I'm glad to be with you, Alex. So over the last couple of weeks, I just referenced this to you. I've reread two of your books that I just really love, Drive and When. I'll be linking to those in the show notes. And I think that our mutual friend, Jordan Harbinger, said it best. He said that everything that Dan Pink writes is gold, and I could not agree more. I mean, these are two amazing books. And I think oh, that thanks. I think my friends are getting tired of me talking about it, though. A lot of them have been like, man, you got to be quiet about these books. So no, having them on the talking, podcast. You should keep talking about them. <laughs> right, of course. I'm also want to mention I'm a fan of your, your show, The Pink Cast. I love the short format. I think it's really refreshing. I recently watched and listened to an episode that you talked about how a tiny toilet can move you beyond your screw ups. And that was pretty cool. And you've got it here. This is audio only. But for the listeners, he's holding a miniature toilet. I'm going to link to that video because people have got to check that out, too. It's really powerful. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, well, thanks a lot. Those, uh, and thank you for calling the Pinkcast a show. They're just really like 90 second videos that offer a um, what I hope is a useful uh, generally science-based tool or tip to help people work better, live a little better. Yeah, I think it's smart and it's in a digestible format. So that, that helps me. I'm, I'm going to call it a show. I don't know what you call it, but that's what I like. to, refer I, to I, I like to be elevated to show status. I <laughs> love that. Very cool. So today I actually have a lot on my mind as it refers to these two books, Drive and When. And it's because I've talked to many of the Creating a Brand listeners. So the people that are listening to this show, I get the opportunity to have conversations with many of them. And what I've learned is that there is a problem that a lot of them are suffering with. And I'll quickly explain this and then pass it over to you. What happens is many of them, obviously, they start off with a full-time job and then they have a side hustle at some point. But when they shift from just having a side hustle into full-time entrepreneurship, meaning they leave their job, what ends up happening is they almost immediately experience this internal behavioral shift. So they go from being able to work a full-time job and just crush it with a side hustle to now having trouble waking up in the morning or thinking the work is more difficult than it used to be, even though they're doing it without a full-time job, or they just can't seem to get it all organized. And what I really want to talk about is how these people that have moved from being employed to self-employed, how they can begin to motivate themselves to get the work done. And additionally, how they can organize their day in a way that they can actually get things done very well and efficiently, because they all have autonomy now. So when should they actually be doing things? And so before I dive into questions there, because I just said a lot, have you also seen these behavioral shifts in new entrepreneurs as they're getting started? Sometimes. Um, and I think it's, I, I think it, it often will resolve itself over time, but there could be some cost to not resolving it quickly enough. So I think it's a, I think it's a real issue. Uh, I, I had that to some extent when I first started working for myself almost, you know, 20 years ago, uh, where I was coming out of 
fairly structured kinds of jobs and had a and suddenly found myself in my the attic of our house in Washington, D.C., trying to eke out a living. Uh, so the fear of not being able to eke out a living ended up having some disciplining effect. And I think that helps people in a way. But, but I think there's some things that people can do uh, if you want to. You know, I'm happy to recommend a few things that people can do. Um, so one of uh, so I'll give you I'll give you two sort of smallish ones. And then maybe we can talk a little bit more, uh, Alex, if you want. You're not Jordan. Alex, if you want about um, about um, the timing aspect of things. Yeah, that's a, little, that's a little bit more complicated. So right. one of the things that I've learned, again, 20 years of working for myself um, and, 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 you know, your, your, your listeners can't see you and I are talking via um, video. And if you know you and you, Alex, can see my this is my office. It's a, a lot of books. It's They'll the see the picture. They'll see the it's picture. The, it's a lot it's of books. It's the garage behind my house. Uh, I have been uh, working at home for 20 years. As I said, I've been social distancing for 50. So this, you know, way, <laughs> this, this way of working is, 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 is not new to me. But one of the most important things I've discovered in general, it, and it's going to sound a little bit like a Zen koan, but it's this. Structure is liberating. When you go out on your own, and one reason, and you mentioned the word, that magic word autonomy, when you go out on your own, the impetus is often autonomy. I want to have some control over what I do, how I do it, when I do it, who I do it with. I want some sovereignty over my life. Um, I want to be the one to decide. That does not mean that you should just wing it every single day. That structure is liberating. And so and so what I think, what the, the, especially in the early days, you should set a schedule. You should come into your office at a certain time. Uh, and you should make sure that you're in that office at a, at a certain time. As rigid and weird as that sounds, and even though your impetus for doing this was to escape the rigidity of doing it for the man, structure is liberating. Uh, because what you want to do is you want to offload decisions about, like, should I work now? Should I work later? So, uh, and just do stuff and show up. Um, and then you're going to be able to get work done. And that's a long-winded answer, but let me tell you what I mean by that in terms of, in terms of writing. Uh, one of the things that I do, and I just finished writing a book, is that when I write a book, I don't come into my office and say, I don't, I live 22 steps in that direction. I don't, I don't sit around and say, hmm, should I write today? Today is good. No. Mm -hmm. What I do is I say, I got to get to my office by nine o'clock so I can begin writing because today I have to write X words. And, and if I don't write X words, I don't do anything else. And then I show up the next day. And then I show up the next day. And then I show up the next day. And the next day. And that structure is liberating. It's amazing what you can get done if you just show up regularly. So that's one thing. The second thing is that is, is I'm a big believer in starting small. A lot of times when you have this thing, I'm going to start a business. That's a lot, you know? <laughs> right, so yeah. You can, oh, what should I just, just figure out one thing to start on? You know, and and do that, and figure out another thing to start on. So we, we, to me, at some level, in the way we organize our life and our work and our business, we have. I tend to think about some of these things almost like in a, like in economic terms. What's overvalued and what's undervalued. I think to me that's a useful heuristic in making my way through the world. And I've become convinced after twenty years of doing this, of just writing about this kinds of stuff, that we have overvalued big, hairy, audacious goals and undervalued small wins. Mm -hmm. Small wins is how stuff gets done. Small wins is how the world changes. I mean, I'm not against big, hairy, audacious goals, but we, you know, 
so structure is liberating and get some small wins and you'll be fine. Yeah, so I, I love these two points. And I'll mention when I first went self-employed, the first thing I did, which now I'm saying regrettably, which is also the title of your upcoming book, right? So uh, throw, throw that out there. Um, but uh, I, I immediately turned off my alarm. Um, Bad idea. Like, in the morning, because I was like, man, I'm, I've made it. I am free. And I'll tell you what, I immediately, it was crazy because I had 15 years of like great habits in the corporate world. Overnight, they seemed to disappear. And I went from good habits to not even getting dressed. I throw on a shirt and just, I could stand there in my underwear and work, you know, like I was fine. Like these are all things that just started happening. And it took me, I'd say a month and a half to really like, to wake up to the fact that no, this isn't working. I'm not making progress. I'm not even making as much progress as I was when I had a full-time job and a side hustle. So when people like this happens to a lot of people, I'm, I'm finding it's a lot of younger generations, especially mm -hmm. they're just not really sure what to do with that. But for somebody who is waking up like that, and maybe just kind of going through the day, how can they start to build these better habits? Like what action steps would you say somebody needs to take? Let, let's talk about let's talk about space and time here for a moment. So I'm a big believer that you should have a dedicated where you can, you should have a dedicated space to do your work, that this integration uh, that that work and home should be there should be an affinity and alignment, but they shouldn't be perfectly integrated. Uh, so you should set aside if you have it a room or what I have done is uh, I have I converted a garage behind my house. So it's it's like I have a commute. As I said, it's 22 steps out the back door here, but some kind of soft separation between your work life and your other life. So because I, I think it gets confusing if it's too blurry in between. So have a and, and if you don't have the, the, the physical space, literally like carve out part of the dining room table or something just so that it's a so you don't have to think about where you're going to do stuff. It's just like this is my office. This is where I go. There's a habit. There's a there's a habit trigger there, too. It's like, oh, like when I like when I walk into my office, I don't think, oh, should I start drinking wine? Should I start smoking a cigar? Should I start watching sports? No, because I don't do that here. I do. You know, I do that there, you know, and so find that space. And then also, I think um, sort of your lesson is um, pick a start time. You don't have to be crazy about it, but say, you know, my workday begins at nine or 8.30 or 9.30, whatever. But the, your workday doesn't begin when you're in the mood. If, if I waited till I was in the mood to write, I would never have written a book. Hmm. So space, find a space dedicated to your work. And at least at the early stages, um, you know, clock in. Yeah, that's smart. And I actually, that's funny you mentioned clock in. I actually downloaded an app. There's a lot of free apps for clocking in and out. I actually tracked my time that I was working because I wanted to figure yeah. out how many hours I was working. Because it's funny, I felt like I was working a lot of hours. But when I started doing that, I'm like, oh, I'm working six hours a day. Like I'm not working as much as I think I am because sometimes I'd be like, I'll work in front of the TV or I'll go do this. And like, that's something that I just kind of slipped into. Once again, I'm using myself as an example, but I know yeah. I'm not alone with this. Yeah. But I think it's, but I think it's a, it's a really, really important lesson, Alex, which is that um, you, you want a, that you need a you need a little bit of structure in order to liberate the creativity and the freewheeling thinking and the entrepreneurial the ability to execute as an entrepreneur yeah you can't be completely uh you can't be completely willy-nilly about it 
Hey, Alex Sanfilippo here, and I want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you. Here's what I want you to do. Think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today. Now, I want you to send it to them, but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically. By doing this, you're helping me grow this podcast, and you're also adding value to the people you care about. With that said, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. And now, let's get back to today's episode. In your book, Drive, you talk about motivation 1.0, motivation 2.0, then into motivation 3.0. I want to know how you think that somebody who's just self-employed, it's just them right now, maybe them and one other person working on a company, how can they step into that higher form of motivation? I know some of the steps we already talked about are helpful, but what can we do to really make sure that we're motivating ourselves to get the work done on a daily basis? Yeah, there, there are a few small tactical things that you can do. I think that at some level, someone who's made that decision is already in many ways tapping that other kind of motivation. So if we think about human motivation, to oversimplify a bit, human beings are a mix of drives, right? We have a biological drive. We eat when we're hungry, we drink when we're thirsty, right? That's part of what it is to be a human being. It's not all it is, but it's part of it. We do respond to rewards. Second drive that we have is that we respond to rewards and punishments in our environment. In many, many cases, if you dangle a reward in for somebody, you'll encourage that behavior. If you sm- if threaten to smack them, you'll discourage that behavior. In many cases, so we have that drive. But we also have another drive, which I think is the drive behind true entrepreneurs, I really do, which is we do things because we wanna do them. We do things because we care. We do things because we grow doing them. We do things because they make a difference. We do things because they're challenging. And that's really important. And, And I really think that good entrepreneurs are truly, truly motivated by that third drive. Um, and I think that outsiders sometimes misinterpret it because they see some of those people making money and they think that that was the main goal when in fact is simply the consequence of doing that other thing. Um, so, um, so, so anyway, all, all which is to say is that if you've decided to go out on your own, you're probably pretty good at you probably have that fire, that that fire of the third drive in you somewhere. Now, how can you maintain it? There are a few. So th- let me get to the let me get to the tactical things here. So there are a few things that you could um, there. There are a few things that you can you, few things that you can do. Um, one of them is to periodically. This sounds a little bit touchy feely, but there's some good research on this. Is periodically think about one person whom your venture will help. Right customer of some kind or even a, you know an employee or something like that I do that sometimes with writing I'll show you another chachka on my desk which is this you know it's it's it, it was this has a complicated history but Jeff Bezos claimed credit for it but actually Montgomery Ward did it which is the empty chair where at at at, at and I have this I'm showing my an empty chair that I keep in my desk on um I like that it's pink by the way yeah and it's, <laughs> it's miniature it's for a it's for an extremely small person right uh, the and so what Bezos does, although he was not the originator of it, is that at Amazon has a meeting, people sit around and there's one chair that's left open. And that chair is designed. That chair is representing the customer. So you make sure that you take the customer's perspective. And there's some good evidence showing that if you just picture one person that your work is going to help, that can give you a boost, a sustained boost. There's some other really interesting evidence, um, some interesting research of a, believe it or not, of a cafeteria, in um, in um, in Boston, where where if the cooks in the cafeteria were able to see the customers, the quality of the food improved. 
hmm. because people were because they're saying, OK, so, so one tactical move there for entrepreneurs is when you're stuck, as you inevitably will be like twice a week and you're saying, OK, how can I how should I make this sales call or how should I write this pitch letter or how should I approach this funder twice? a week, turn that how conversation with yourself or with a teammate into a why conversation. Instead of saying, how can I make this sales, say, why am I making this sales presentation? And that sort of, that sense of purpose lifting up a little higher is another tactical um, kind of self-distancing technique that can be useful to people. Those are both really helpful. So first off, think of the one person, that customer that you're going to help have that open seat and yeah. then also have that why conversation. Why are you actually doing the tasks that you're doing? I think those are yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And one of the things that you'll see is that one of the things that you'll see, I think all of us, with, uh, but especially entrepreneurs, is that they're really focused on how. They want to execute. They want to get stuff done. And sometimes the how can be limited, uh, limiting. And so you can often get unstuck by taking a how conversation and making it a why conversation. I'll give you, again, I think it's helpful for people to hear, as you've done several times very nicely, Alex, like examples from your own life. Uh, but for me, sometimes if I'm, I'm, I'm pointing over here because that's the computer that I write on, um, the, um, is that every once in a while when I'm stuck, I'm saying, okay, how can I write this paragraph? I, I will literally say to myself, okay, why are you writing this paragraph? Hmm. Why does this paragraph shift. matter? And, it, and in many cases, you're like, it doesn't matter. I don't even need to write, you know, so that so it's a helpful it's a helpful way to get unstuck. That's great. You know, interestingly enough, like as you're sharing this, I'm thinking about like motivation 2.0 that you were talking about there with like basically the dangling carrots and the sticks that they're hitting yeah. employees with. And I think that that's still most companies probably like when you work in an organization. So I'm thinking that when someone moves to self-employed, they no longer have the carrot directly dangled in front of them by somebody that's a paycheck or a bonus. And they've got no one saying, hey, you need to wake up and be to work at a certain time. And that might be one of the main factors that causes people to feel that they can just kind of relax now instead of being so focused. I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking as you were sharing that, though. Yeah, it could it, it could be. It just, you know, it's just an adjustment. I mean, what you're doing is it's like it's like when you go from corporate America to free agent nation to part to use a phrase. If you go from corporate <laughs> America to free agent like nation, that. yeah, uh, is, um, you know, it's it's sort of like moving from, you know, Jacksonville, Florida to Berlin. All right. It's different. You know, it's like it's this, there's some similarities, plenty of similar, but it's different. It's like a different way of life. It's a different culture. And so you just have to get used to how that how that culture works. And the, the, and the daunting task is, is that when you go out on your own, you're in charge of establishing that. But um, it's not going to happen to you. I really do think, Alex, that a lot of people over time figure it out. But mm -hmm. you could save. But I would have saved myself a huge amount of grief if if I had had this kind if if I had heard or had this conversation 20 years ago. Right. And that's the idea of this podcast. Let's help somebody make that first yeah. or next step in their business, the right one and do it earlier. Um, so this has been great so far. And I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about the scientific reasons behind perfect timing and how all that works. I know this is a big conversation. So we're just going to kind of hit the tip of the iceberg on yeah. this. But we, we mentioned how the like we have autonomy now. So we're kind of available to do whatever, whenever. But there is certain times that certain tasks and duties should be done to really maximize the effectiveness. So uh, first off, do you mind talking about this idea of the hidden pattern behind every day? Sure. Uh, no, I don't mind at all. Uh, so let me I'll start. Um, I'll try not to be too long winded about it, but it, it helps to have I'll, tr I'll, I'll try. I won't succeed. Uh, it helps to have some kind of broader context here. So so first of all, is is the is the 
and I'm going to use a 50 cent word here, uh, the epistemological question, which is how do you know? All right. How do you know? So the reason we know this is because there has been a huge amount of research on this question of timing, except that the research is, has been spread across many, many different disciplines from in the social sciences, psychology, economics, some anthropology in, but also in microbiology, there's a whole field of chronobiology. It's in the medical sciences like endocrinology and anesthesiology. And all of these fields together have been asking questions about how does especially daily timing affect our performance on a whole range of things. And if you synthesize this whole, basically like two different disciplines, you begin to actually uncover, as you exactly as you said, this hidden pattern of the day. So that's one thing. Second thing that we know is that, and this is really important to understand this, is that, and this is a mistake I think that everybody makes, not only entrepreneurs. The most important thing you can take away conceptually from this is that our brain power doesn't remain constant over the course of the day. Our brain power changes. Our cognitive abilities fluctuate over the course of the day. They fluctuate in predictable ways. They fluctuate in significant ways. And the best time to do something depends on what it's doing. Now, let's talk about what to do about this. It begins with this something called a chronotype. A chronotype is just your do you, do, do, you, do you typically wake up late and go to sleep late? Do you typically wake up early and go to sleep early? What we know is about 15% of, of, of people are hardcore larks, uh, hardcore morning people. About 20% of people are hardcore owls, naturally wake up late, go to sleep late. About two thirds of us are in the middle, but we kind of tilt toward the lark. So one way to think of it is basically owls and non-owls. Here's what we know. Most of us move through the day in three stages, a peak, a trough, a recovery, peak trough or recover, peak early, trough in the middle of the day, recovery later in the day. Um, and most of us move through the day in that order, peak early, trough in the middle, recovery later. Owls, all you owls out there. And, and one of the things about, and I think that entrepreneurs are disproportionately owls because um, the typical corporate world doesn't accommodate their scheduling. And there's a lot of evidence showing that owls are more creative than everybody hmm. else. So owls, all you owls out there, evening chronotypes, you hit your peak much, much later in the day, early evening, mid evening, late evening, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what we know. During the peak, that's when we're most vigilant. We're able to bat away distractions. During the peak, there's a whole wealth of evidence that we do better on analytic tasks where you have to be locked down and focused, writing a report, analyzing data, going over the steps of a strategy. We do better, at, so most of it that's early in the day, for owls it's later in the day. During the trough, early to mid-afternoon, terrible time of day, massive underperformance, even dangerous things on a whole array of tasks, not a good time of day, we should be doing our administrative work then. And then for 80% of us, you and I happen to be talking at this time of day intentionally during the late afternoon and early evening, 80% of us were less vigilant but our mood is higher, and so that makes it better for more freewheeling things, iterating new ideas and brainstorming. And so the recipe, or the design, it's not really a recipe, it's a set of design principles, is that we should be doing our analytic, heads-down, lockdown focus work during the peak, which for most of us is, the, is early in the day. For owls, it's late, it's late in the day. During that early to mid-afternoon, we we that's when we should be doing our routine email. That's when we, we should be like filling out our reports and things like that. Uh, things that don't require heavy cognitive load or a lot of creativity. And then during 
the recovery late in the afternoon and early in the evening, we should be doing things that require more mental looseness and freewheeling. Um, and, and you do that and you'll perform a little bit better. There's no question about it. Well done on, on summarizing all that. Very well done. I'd still recommend everyone pick up the book when, because some of the examples you have in there and the research is like beyond fascinating. I think that's the part that's annoyed my friends as I keep on sharing it. Yeah. I mean, there's some mind blowing, there's some mind blowing stuff. I mean, you know, from reading the book that, you know, if forget about entrepreneurship to me, the biggest takeaway from that book, Alex is, and it's, and it's affected my own family is you do not go to an important doctor appointment or certainly yep. into a hospital in the afternoon. Period. 100%. I, I have my family and I, we have like, like we've had some like everybody's had over the course of like the last couple of years, some, you know, not any significant, but about like, like medical procedures that require anesthesia. Mm -hmm. There is no way on God's green earth that anybody in my family is going to have general anesthesia in the afternoon. No and way. same with my family. So you're officially better than my doctor, uh, Dan. I appreciate you. Um, um, yeah, same thing. Again, pick up the book just for that reason, everybody. Don't go to a doctor in the afternoon. But now going back to this point here, to figure out like who somebody is, I know most of us might be uh, more evening, more owl on that side of things. But how can someone determine what they are? Do, do we yeah. just kind of know? No, let's, we, uh, first of all, there are, there are assessments out there, uh, val scientifically validated assessments. You can look for something called the, the, the MCTQ, the Munich Chronotype Questionnaire. There's something called the MEQ, the Morning Evening News Questionnaire. I like to do it in the back of the envelope way, which you can do it in 30 seconds. I can do it with you um, right now if you want. Yeah, let's do okay, it. So, so what you have to think of is, is what chronobiologists call a free day. A free day is a day you don't have to wake up for a meeting. You don't have to wake up at a certain time. You can go to sleep when you want. You can wake up when you want, when you want. Okay. So think about it like the third day of your vacation or something like that. You're not, you're, you're overcome your sleep deprivation. It's just like your body tells you, wake up at this time, go to sleep at this time. So for you, Alex, uh, on a free day, when would you typically go to sleep? Between 11 and 1130. Okay. So let's just say 1130. And then when would you typically wake up? Between seven and 730. So 730. Okay. So I'll say 730 because we're going to give you eight hours of, we're going to give you eight hours of sleep. Okay. So, I love it. all right. So here's what we know. All right. So this is a, it, 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 it turns out you have a very, the most common chronotype. Look at like, that. Okay. The same one that I have, as a matter of fact, here's what we know. So, so what we want to calculate here with the, with the 1130 and the 730 is the midpoint of sleep, your midpoint of sleep. So your midpoint of sleep is 330. Here's what we know. If you if your midpoint of sleep is earlier than 3:30, you're almost certainly a lark. All right? If your midpoint of sleep is after 5:30, you're almost certainly an owl. And if your midpoint of sleep is between 3:30 and 5:30, you're in the middle but you lean toward larkiness. And what you have is you have a lot of people like you and me who are seriously like we have like like right around that border of 3:30 that larkiness, we're not quite full-fledged larks, but we're larky, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, and so that's, and that, and that's how, you know, so, so you would almost certainly, it's a good example. This, this is a great example because it's so common. Like, like people like you and I, we would almost certainly almost, I mean, we certainly would want to do our, our analytic lockdown work early in the day. You would not want to, you and I would not want to do that kind of analytic data writing work at two in the afternoon or at five in the afternoon or anything like that. However, you and I probably almost certainly are not going to respond well to some of the advice you get out there. It's like, 
wake up at 4.30 and have some, you know, uh, you know, you know, a liter of bullet coffee and start winning the day at 5.15. Our, some people can do that. Like the people like on that, but, but, but you like that, our bodies aren't built for that. You and I are better off, you know, as, as many people are peak trough recovery. And, and what, what that means is that, is that actually being intentional about doing that, 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 that focused heads down work early in the day and not squandering those early day, that early part of the day, um, answering email or, you know, that kind of stuff, the stuff that sort of makes us feel like we're accomplishing something, but actually doesn't even, you know, that as some sage once said is, you know, tension relieving, but not goal achieving. Hmm. You know, I love that you just gave everyone the freedom to be able to figure out who they are and operate at that schedule for their day. Because so many of us, we listen to some of the gurus out there and they mean well, but they're like, if you're not up by 5 a.m., I've already won the day before you're awake, but I might not win the day at that time. I remember for a little bit, I got in a competition with uh, another senior director at my aerospace job. We decided to see if we could start getting to work early because we just started buying into this idea. We've got to win the day first. I got up to 5 a.m. is when I finally started getting in and my work performance dropped drastically. And, and finally, I just gave up. I'm like, man, I guess I'm just not not smart enough to do that. But the truth is, I was operating out of my natural flow, if you will, or whatever it is that you want to call it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And here's the thing. And it's, it's such a good point, Alex. I mean, I think there's actually an even bigger point there than what you're saying, which is that we need to just pay attention to who we are and how we do things and not try to conform to one way of doing things. And believe me, if you get to work and do your work at start at eight, eight thirty, and you're smart and you work hard and you care, you're gonna be fine. You're like the the person, you know. And and there are some crazy people. They're, they're but they're outliers. Mm-hmm. There really are outliers. Um, there 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 are a, few, a very very tiny percentage of people who need less sleep than most of us. But most of us actually need eight hours of sleep. A tiny portion of people. Can get by on on less, but but not very many. Some portion of people naturally wake are are fine. They feel great at, at five o'clock in the morning. I am not one of those people. Most of us are not one of those people. I'm, my ass is asleep at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. Um, but I feel great at eight o'clock, and I'm ready to roll around then. And there's no and 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 and, and here's the thing. One last thing here. I just want to say something. To, shout out to the owls out there because the people who bear the brunt of this are the people with the evening chronotypes. All right. You and I can kind of you and I are socially acceptable. We're not the 5 a.m. people, but we're not rolling in at 11 o'clock. Right. Yeah. The people who are owls whose natural propensity is to wake up late and go to sleep late, but who can be cranking at nine o'clock at night. But you have them go to an eight o'clock a.m. staff meeting and they're comatose. And we say, oh, we look down on them. We, we assign moral weight to their chronotype. We think that you know, having evening chronotype is, is, it means you're like a bad person. It's just, it's, it's nonsense. Yeah. You know, the, as soon as you started mentioning all this and I, I learned this from you is I, I redid my schedule. Cause for a long time, I was the guy who late at night would decide it's a good time to catch up on emails. But the next day I'd read the email. I sent him like, that was awful. Like, and I'm a pretty intelligent individual and a good writer, but I'd look at it and be like, why did I word it that way? I know. And, um, so what I actually did is like you were talking about early on in this conversation is building up the schedule. So I have my morning reserved for my what I call my most meaningful work. So it's yeah. most important. And then the middle of the afternoon, I do my administrative work. And then closer to the evening, I'll do more of my face to face work. And like you said, early on, like I intentionally set it up that way. And 
the craziest thing about all this is I have an alarm that puts me to bed around 11, like a little bit before 11. That's just kind of when I'll force myself there. But I naturally wake up at seven. I'll have a morning alarm. I have an alarm at night, not one in the morning. I get up at seven every day and I spend two hours doing my morning routine. And by nine o'clock, I'm started. And that has been the best schedule I've ever put together. As a self-employed entrepreneur, I've done so much better by forming my day that way. Amen. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, that's, that's your, your schedule is very similar to mine. And again, what's the point of the exercise? The point of the exercise is to get good work done and make a difference out there. It's not to proclaim your virtue because you were at the office at five. Right. Uh, Dan, I got to respect your time. This has been a super fun conversation. I mean, we talked about both motivation and also timing and doing things. I've never covered two books from one author in the same episode. So we, we did it somehow. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for thank you for letting me be a part of this historic moment. <laughs> for sure. I mean, definitely. Uh, before we end, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners on these topics we've been covering? You know, I, I think that the, the most important the most important thing is um, is is what we're talking about at the end, that there isn't a single best way to do anything. And it's really worth just experimenting and finding the right way for you. And so when you listen to people, whether it's me or Alex or anybody else, like you don't, you just take elements from what they're, what they're talking about, test it in your own life and fashion the, the work life that's best for that, that's best for you. Because what's best for you is not going to be best for your next door neighbor and it's not going to be best for your spouse. And, but, but, it, it, but just do what's best for you um, and do it intentionally. Love that. Such a great way to end this episode. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it today. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. During this episode, Daniel mentioned that he could have used this conversation 20 years ago. And for me, it was about one year ago that I really needed to hear this. And my hope today is that this episode reached you exactly when you needed it most. I encourage you to figure out when you naturally prefer to wake up and start getting the work done, then build your ideal day around it. And I believe that when you do this, you'll be more motivated and positioned to maximize the effectiveness of your daily efforts. Daniel, thank you again for being a guest and sharing what you've learned with all of us. For links to Daniel Pink's books, Drive and When, and for a link to his show, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 150. Thank you as always for listening, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week. Next week.